uh, NATO allies uh, have really now demonstrated that they are delivering on the commitment we made in 2014. Uh, because the war didn't start in February last year, it started in 2014. The full-fledged invasion happened last year, but the war, the illegal annexation of Crimea, uh, uh, Russia went into East Donbass in 2014. Since then, NATO has implemented the biggest uh, adaptation of this alliance in modern uh, history, in, in, in decades. Uh, and part of that is to invest more in defense. Um, and we have to remember the background. The background was that President Putin declared in the autumn of 2021, and he actually sent a, a draft treaty that he wanted NATO to sign to promise no more NATO enlargement. That was what, what he sent us. And that was, that, that was a precondition for not invade uh, 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 Ukraine. Of course, we didn't sign that. The opposite happened. He wanted us to sign a promise never to enlarge NATO. He wanted us to remove our military infrastructure in, in all allies that have joined NATO since 1997, meaning half of NATO, all the Central and Eastern Europe. We should remove NATO uh, from, from that part of, uh, of our alliance. Introducing some kind of E and B, or second class membership. We rejected that. So he went to war to prevent uh, uh, NATO, uh, more NATO across his borders. He has, he, he has got the exact opposite. He has got more NATO presence in the eastern part of the alliance, and he has also uh, 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 seen that Finland has already joined the alliance, and Sweden will soon be a full member. Uh, this, is, this is good for uh, the Nordic countries, it's good for Finland and Sweden, and it's also good for NATO, and it demonstrates that uh, uh, when President Putin invaded the European country uh, to prevent uh, more NATO, he's getting the exact opposite.
training Ukrainian forces from 2015 up until the very start of this conflict, um, training them to NATO standards. And so these are well-motivated, well-led uh, troops. Now, many of these guys were suffered. I mean, an elite unit, the elite special forces unit of Ukraine, their commander said sometime in the summer of 2022, he said, I've lost 80% of my men. 80%. These are the best. These are these are men that were trained in NATO standards. When they would have training exercises with NATO, the NATO forces, special our guys, special forces, Green Berets were going. These guys are pretty damn good. They're really top of the game. Well, 80% of them are gone. And you know how long it takes to train a, a highly qualified special forces operator? Years. Instead, they're replacing them with fresh recruits out of basic training who don't have the skill set, but they're being asked to do the same thing, and so they're dying even quicker. Uh, the same thing with the rest of the Ukrainian military. They go in, they were well motivated, they fought very well, but they're taking casualties, lots of casualties. And like I said, by the uh, by the beginning of summer 2022, the original Ukrainian army had been decimated, eviscerated, other troop of uh, huge casualties. So they're replacing them. What's left are people that don't want to fight. And so you have to mobilize them. Remember, there's still a lot of Ukrainians on the front line that want to fight for their country but the numbers are reducing. You need to replace the gaps in their lines with these new troops. They don't want to be there. They're being hijacked off the front. They're being given 21 days. And it's not that they don't want to be there because they're cowards or because they don't believe in Ukraine. They don't want to be there because they're not getting any training. They're not getting any experience. They're just being thrown straight into the meat grinder. That's why, because when they get to the front line, these are troops that had they been trained properly, been given good leadership, given a modicum of, uh, hope to survive on the battlefield might perform as admirably as everybody else. But when you arrive on the battlefield, confused, you don't know who your commander is, you don't you, you have only a handful of bullets for your gun, you don't even know how to shoot the gun properly, and then you're told to go fight the Russians. You can't take people off the street, give them three weeks of basic training, and put them in the front lines and expect them to live. This is why the Poltova military commissar is saying uh, 80 to 90 out of every 100 guys we mobilize are dead, wounded, crippled, otherwise incapacitated.
think the problem that we've had is that we've, yeah, we, we have, people decided they didn't really want to work so much anymore through COVID and that has had a massive issue on productivity. You know, tradies have definitely pulled back on productivity. You know, they, they have been paid, paid a lot to do not too much in the last few years. And we need to see that change. We need to see unemployment rise. Unemployment has to jump 40, 50% in my view. We need to see pain in the economy. We need to remind people that they work for the employer, not the other way around. I mean, there is a, there's been a systematic change where employees feel the employer is extremely lucky to have them, um, as opposed to the other way around. So it's a dynamic that has to change. We've got to kill that attitude and that has to come through hurting the economy, which is what the whole global, you know, the, the world is trying to do. The governments around the world are trying to increase unemployment to get that to some sort of normality. And we're seeing it. I think every employer now is seeing it. I mean, there is definitely massive layoffs going off. People might not be talking about it, but people are definitely laying people off and we're starting to see less arrogance in the employment market. And that has to continue because that will cascade across the cost balance. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay so I can sit out here and waste my life away. Drag back home and drown my troubles away It's a damn shame What the world's gotten to For people like me People like you Wish I could just wake up And it not be true But it is Oh it is Living in the new world With an old soul These rich men north the rich men Just miners on an island somewhere Lord, we got folks in the street Ain't got nothing to eat And the old beast milking welfare Well, God, if you're five foot three And you're 300 pounds Taxes ought not to pay For your bags of fudge rounds Young men are putting themselves Six feet in the ground Cause all this damn country does Is keep on kicking them down Lord, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you. Wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men know the rich men. you do and then I don't think you know but I know that you do cause your dollar ain't shit and it's taxed to no end cause the rich men know the rich men I've 
selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay. I applaud this song, but there's another piece of this that is a little bit troubling, which is that there is a concern that this the success of this gentleman, while I think his message in, mo in, in large part is legitimate, there are some parts of the song that I think are worth looking at from a lyric perspective. You know, why, if you're an, an advocate for the poor and working class, or do you have a line like, well, God, if you're five foot three and you're 300 pounds, taxes ought not to pay for your bag of fudge rounds? That doesn't sound especially populist to me, especially when a state like West Virginia has the worst health care in the entire country with a 40.7% obesity rate. You know, are you for the people of West Virginia or do you? deride and look down your nose at people who are in a horrible healthcare void, who have terrible access to quality food, and who are obese I mean, and they, poor and drug addicted in, I in, in a horrible I can't speak for this situation. person, but a lot of people on the, I mean, as you described earlier, because the because the very poorest are not paying any taxes at all. Yeah. And there's some resentment there of, of that, that the they people get. people are too poor to pay taxes? Well, I, I mean, this person could be is poor, is pays taxes and is poorer than they would be otherwise. Well, Paying this, taxes this, to support the people who don't have any, like, what, are, what is, you know, I mean, this is a conservative view, but what are the people in that situation doing to improve their station so that they're not just, so that they can survive on their own over time? Well, if your attitude toward human nature is that they must not be doing anything because they enjoy being poor, are there bad people who don't deserve life-sustaining sustenance, that's a position that you can have. I don't know how many people want to sing songs or feel solidarity or join arms in a sense of community over my neighbor is lazy and deserves what they got. So I have a lot of empathy for the sentiment that's expressed in this song. I think that people should consider what it looks like to have a solidarity movement to try to work together to some of the to cure some of the ails that this man I think rightly points out exist. And I think that we need to start in the position of, of believing that a better America and a better world is possible or else are we in fact just playing into the divisiveness that ensures that we say I hate you because you're playing a banjo or I hate you because you're listening to hip hop instead of working together and realizing that we're all of us are working very hard in a, the most productive, wealthiest nation in the history of the world. And despite all of our hard work and knowing that we're all striving to make the world a better place and our lives a better place and to support our children and our families, we're not getting the benefit of that bargain. Is it really this guy's fault? Is it is it your neighbor down the street's fault? Is it some overweight 300 pound, five foot three woman, as he points to in the song? Well, but he's mostly blaming, he's blaming DC. He's blaming our government. Yeah, and I think that's the right place. And it's a bipartisan, corporate oligarchy that is causing these kinds of problems. My dreams have come and gone The world is spinning faster each day And I am not the one My future promised I'd be I'm not hiding anything I'm not trying to fool you at all You keep expecting everything We're not like our pictures on the wall There's nothing wrong with us 
Since the beginning of Russia's war in Ukraine, the American taxpayers provided Ukraine with $113 billion. Over the 583 days of war, between February 24, 2022 and the end of the month, that averages $6.8 billion per month or $223 million per day. There's a lot of things that we need to fix in our country before we borrow money to try to perpetuate a war in another country. 
is a creature that has to feed. It stops at nothing to fill its need. People live in gruesome squalor So that the creature may grow taller Those with nothing have to bleed To help the creature spread its seed They learn to dine on fecal matter so that the creature may grow fatter.
has amassed such awesome wealth. Maybe it can eat itself. So in addition to the colossal cost of the war, we end up paying a corruption tax. Ukraine is one of the most corrupt countries on the planet, maybe second only to Russia. Corruption runs deep in Ukraine, and there's plenty of evidence that it has run rampant since Russia's invasion. As President Zelensky landed in New York earlier this week, we learned that corruption concerns in Ukraine's Ministry of Defense resulted in the firing of six deputy defense ministers. This comes two weeks after the firing of Defense Minister Oleksiy Reznikov, who was removed after it was discovered that the Ministry of Defense had mishandled military contracts. Last month, Zelensky fired all 24 regional military recruitment chiefs because they were, quote, involved in illegal activities, including enrichment. Last October, we learned that U.S. shipment of grenade launchers, machine guns, rifles, bulletproof vests, and thousands of rounds of ammunition were ending up in the hands of criminal gangs and weapons traffickers posing as humanitarian organizations. And what did the Senate do? They voted against a special inspector general to make sure they're not stealing our money. What are we doing? Is this fair to the American people? Millions of Americans are struggling each day to make ends meet. Millions of Americans are struggling to provide for their families and put food on the table. Can we honestly look our constituents in the eye and tell them that there is a, this is a good investment of their dollars? Some say the war in Ukraine is a fight to save democracy. But those who say that need to be honest with themselves. Ukraine is far from a shining example of democracy. And while the strain of war can make for questionable government actions, we have to live with them when the war is over. For all the platitudes about America supporting democracy and making the world safe for democracy, the Woodrow Wilson advocates among us, the biggest recipient of American welfare, Ukraine, canceled its next presidential election. You're telling me we're sending $100 billion to a country that's not going to have elections? We're gonna send $100 billion to a country that now has what, a president for life? I say, oh, well, we could, but it's difficult. Does anybody remember the American Civil War where 600,000 people died and yet we didn't miss an election? They've canceled the presidential election. We should cancel our aid as a response. This is not the only concerning development in Ukraine. Despite Zelensky's charm offensive this week, his actions also deserve scrutiny. Citing national security concerns, Zelensky has banned Orthodox churches oriented towards the Russian Orthodox Church and has ordered Ukrainian law enforcement to raid churches and arrest priests. He has banned the political opposition. How do you have a democracy if you're not gonna have elections and you banned the opposition? He suspended 11 political parties, including the opposition, plat opposition platform for life, the second largest party in Ukraine's parliament and the one which held 44 seats. He has attacked free speech by banning opposition media 
and increasing his government's regulatory power over journalists. Hardly sounds democratic to me. Earlier this year, he signed into law a bill that allows Ukraine's State Broadcasting Council to regulate all media in Ukraine. The council can impose mandatory orders, fines, restrict content from search engines, and even outright suspend media outlets without a court decision. Hardly sounds very Democrat to me. If you wish these actions that sound like the actions of authoritarian regime, if you suspect these do sound like an authoritarian reason, regime, you're right. This past July, a Swiss intelligence report observed, quote, authoritarian traits in Zelensky as he tries to push the mayor of Kiev, Vitaly Klitschenko, out of contention for Ukraine's 2024 presidential elections. Citing martial law, Zelensky stated that those elections will not take place. Martial law, no elections, banning opposition party, this is where your $100 billion is gone and they're not done. Second World War, who fought the Ukrainian independence against the Russians and continues to support the troops today, even at his age of 98.
His name is Yaroslav Hunka. And uh, I was going to say he's in the gallery, but I think you beat me to that. But I'm very proud to say that he is from North Bay and from my riding of Nipissing to Miskaming. He's a Ukrainian hero, a Canadian hero, and we thank him for all his service. Thank you. As you travel through the Schöne Deutschland, a melody will greet your ears. It's a melody that's been around the Deutschland for 15 to 20 years. Each and every German dances to the strain of the Iverslada dancing polka. Sing the I was not a Nazi polka. The I was not a Nazi polka. The I was not a was just a nice resort. Sing the I was not a Nazi polka. The German is so cultured, he does not like to fight. The peaceful life is what he most enjoys. For years the German people were utterly convinced I defarm and manufacture children's toys I never shot a Luger or goosed a single step Sing the I was not a Nazi polka I was not a Nazi polka SS guard. I was not an SS guard. I, I was, was not a Nazi polka. Did you not love Ilse Koch? I did not love Ilse Koch. I was not a Nazi polka. Did you not despise the Jews? I did not. Some of my best friends. I was not a Nazi polka. Did you not think Adolf great? I did not. Adolf who? Adolf who? Yeah, Adolf who? Fritz, you're putting me on. Was bedeutet dieser putting me on? Are you kidding me or something? No, I'm not kidding you. Adolf who? Adolf Hitler. Should I know him? Is he a folk singer? You don't remember him. No, I don't remember him. Who was he? Well, a little man, very mean, very loud and brash. Mm -mm. Not too tall. He never smiled. Wore a black mustache. No, I never he had a girl. Eva Brown, hair as red as flame. Oh, yeah. He papered walls for many years yeah. till his moment of came. Of course, he's the one clapped his hands, went into a dance. Yeah. When the news came to him that we had conquered France, That's it. he once said, when our flag proudly was unfurled, yeah. today Germany yeah. I never heard of it. Neither did I. To our Israeli allies, let us raise a toast. Sing the I was not a Nazi polka. 
sure there were some Nazis, two or three at most. Sing the I was not a Nazi polka. We tried to throw out Hitler right from the very start. That's what every history book should tell. We hated Heinrich Himmler, Martin Bormann too. We believe as Sherman did that war is hell. Germans are as gentle as flowers in the spring. Sinti, I was not a Nazi polka. Germans are a people who love to dance and sing. Sinti, I was not a Nazi polka. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You there, you are not singing. You do not like to sing. Tell me, you still have a family in Germany, next war? Sing. Good evening, folks. You're tuned into Cheap Tuesdays 101.5 UMFM. Tons to get through today, so let's get started. Started off the show with Jens Stoltenberg, the head of the UN, declaring a few pretty amazing things. The war didn't start in 2022, started in 2014. Putin presented a draft treaty in 2021 to prevent the invasion. Russia went to war to prevent NATO enlargement. Wait a second. I thought that the war was happening because Putin was insane and wanted to conquer all of Europe. I thought it was an unhinged right-wing conspiracy theory to believe all this stuff about NATO being the cause of the war. Well, now the Secretary General of the UN, Jens Stoltenberg, has just said it out loud. The conspiracy theories, they're all true. So... You know, this is the way it works. They, they, they slander people at the beginning over and over and over again, paint things as conspiracy theories, brainwash people into thinking that that's what it is, and then once everybody stops paying attention, they just come right out and say it. And nobody's going to notice. Nobody's going to care. So they'll just get away with it again. Because nobody cares. We had Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum after that donkey-headed adversary of humanity. And I can't think of a better way to describe a complete joke of a human being like the UN Secretary General and any leader still dumping our money into this conflict that could literally end the world. You know, the lyrics on there that I like, uh, mankind is a plague, breathing hell into every corner of the rotting earth. We heard Scott Ritter, who was a former weapons inspector for the UN during the Iraq war era, uh, talking about how the Ukraine army has evolved into people who don't want to fight being conscripted um, because 80% of the original well-trained force have all been killed, sent into the meat grinder. So now what we're left with is people getting pulled off the street, given several weeks of basic training, sent to the front with uh, barely any weapons, just to be slaughtered. For what? We had uh, Smash of Pumpkins, Doomsday Clock. I, I don't think it's really about that. It, it seems like it's a sort of a metaphor for relationships, but I still thought I'd play it anyway. I liked this line. Is everyone afraid? You should be ashamed. Apocalyptic screams mean nothing to the dead. Kissing that old son to know all there is. Come on, last call. You should want it all. Uh, then we heard a clip of an out-of-touch millionaire named uh, Tim Gurner, head of something called the Gurner Group, um, talking about arrogant workers wanting to actually have a fair shot at a, at, a, at a wage and earn a living wage. You know, listen to people when they tell you who they are. This is how the elite upper classes of our countries think. 
So when I hear something like this, it just adds more evidence to the argument that the people running our countries, including deciding which wars we're involved in, are just completely out of touch, evil, and totally willing to sacrifice anyone they see as beneath them, or arrogant, as the dude said. Good thing he stopped short of saying uppity, but he may as well have... Whether we're talking about unemployment, as he was, or the war in Ukraine, as Scott Rader pointed out, they literally do not care about the regular folks around the world. Um, we heard Oliver Anthony, which I'm sure you've heard, Richmond, North of Richmond. I've just been looking for the right time to put this in. A controversial song, I know, um, and hopefully you stayed tuned through it uh, and listened to the analysis that came after it um, by Brianna Joy Gray. Um, I have to say a couple of things about this. First, I, I love the song. I love his voice. I love most of the lyrics. I find it truly and actually moving, and it's honestly heartening hearing something like that explode and become so popular. Um, and it's also very interesting seeing the YouTube comments section and how moved so many people are by it. Second, he messed up the lyrics. And Brianna Joy Gray, the excellent commentator for The Hill uh, that you heard immediately following the song, nailed it for the reasons why. Um, I do literature and poetry analysis for a living, and I've been doing it for almost 20 years uh, as a high school teacher. Y you have to stay consistently on message if you're trying to get a point across. And he went through like 90-95% of that song painting a picture of the despair of the working class caused by the wealthy upper classes, and then he took a shot at that very same working class in a frankly just mean-spirited way. It just doesn't work, pal. You know, he, he almost could have made a point there about poor people being forced into buying super unhealthy food because of the skyrocketing prices of healthy, non-industrially made food. But that probably would have been a little too complex for the song. You know, best probably to just stick to your message, right? Every line of your song needs to stick to the message to get the point across. Um, you heard Nina Nastasia, that's all there is. It's not an anti-war song. And it's not even necessarily about poverty, but the beginning of the song always makes me picture desperate poverty and hopelessness when she says, my dreams have come and gone, the world is spinning faster each day, and I'm not the one that my future promised I'd be. I'm not hiding anything, I'm not trying to fool you at all, you keep expecting everything, we're not like our pictures on the wall. I always find that moving, that opening part of that song. Uh, then we heard Rand Paul. Uh, I asked the question a few weeks ago when discussing the Vietnam War, which was costing something like $3 million a day back then. I wonder what it is per day for the Ukraine War. And so Senator Rand Paul from America, someone who I probably don't agree with on much, laid it out for the American government anyway, $223 million per day. $223 million per day like really like just it doesn't take a huge leap of imagination to think how much good that could do when we look at all the drug addiction and poverty and people living on the street living in bus shelters like 223 million a day how much could that help regular people in our countries so then we had Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, The Creature. Um, the lyrics there were pretty clear, so I'm not going to repeat them. It's a really well done song lyrically. Oliver Anthony could learn a little from them, I think. So the people get nothing, or next to nothing, but the creature must just be fed. 
Uh, we had Rand Paul again. All the stuff he says about uh, why Ukraine is not a democracy. You know, the, these are the exact same things people say about China. And, and they give them as reasons to invade and go to war with China. Yet they're happening in the Ukraine, a country that's receiving billions of dollars in aid from us. You try to make sense of that because it doesn't make one lick of sense to me. You know, one thing he mentioned at the beginning of that was corruption. And, and that a lot of this money is being funneled through this totally corrupt system that, that, that ends up into, in the hands of criminal gangs and weapons traffickers. I wonder who those people are that are getting those weapons, the billions and billions of dollars of weapons. I wonder who they are. MDC uh, gave us a little hint there. John Wayne was a Nazi. Just a song about someone's past getting buried because it's inconvenient to the narrative. And then we followed it up <laughs> from something that I, I just cannot wrap my head around this one. This was in the Canadian Parliament uh, earlier this week, late last week, giving a standing ovation to a Nazi, like an actual Nazi. In the news report that I read first, they said it themselves, he fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians during the Second World War. Okay, like again, this doesn't take a lot of basic historical knowledge. If you fought against Russia during World War II and you were in a country like Germany or like the Ukraine, you were almost definitely fighting for the Nazis. Russians were on our side during World War II. They weren't on Germany's side. So if you prefer like, like more evidence than this and if you want a more authoritative source, Benai Brith Canada uh, has come out against this uh, and made a statement on their website, and, uh, and I'll read it to you. This was September 24th they put this out. Uh, they're shocked after Parliament last Friday celebrated a veteran of the 14th Waffen Grenadier Division. During Ukrainian President Zelensky's visit to address Canada's House of Commons last week, Speaker Anthony Rhoda acknowledged 98-year-old Yaroslav Hunka to demonstrate solidarity with Ukraine as it fends off Russia's unprovoked and illegal invasion. Unprovoked. <laughs> what? Forget that part. Hunka, who immigrated to Canada after serving in the 14th Waffen SS, a Nazi unit whose members swore allegiance to Adolf Hitler during World War II, received a standing ovation from members of parliament and senators in attendance. Um, the Ukrainian ultra-nationalist ideologues who volunteered to create the SS Galician Division in 1943 dreamed of an ethnically homogenous Ukrainian state and endorsed the idea of ethnic cleansing. The 14th Waffen-SS carried out numerous atrocities against civilians in the Ukraine and fought alongside regular Nazi German armed forces in the Battle of Brody. The SS was declared a criminal organization by the International Military Tribunal in Nuremberg. Members of this unit swore fealty to the Fuhrer and the perverted racial ideology of the Nazis. We cannot allow the whitewashing of history, says Michael Mostian, B'nai B'rith's Canada's chief executive officer. It is beyond outrageous that Parliament has honored a former member of a Nazi unit in this way. Canadian soldiers fought and died to free the world from the evils of Nazi brutality. We understand an apology is forthcoming. We expect a meaningful apology. Parliament owes an apology to all Canadians for this outrage and a detailed explanation as to how this could possibly have taken place at the center of Canadian democracy. 
So a Nazi collaborator gets a standing ovation in Canadian Parliament. Like, I just don't even know what to say about all this anymore. We're honestly living in a completely nonsensical, topsy-turvy, upside-down world. Wear a red hat, drive a truck, you're a Nazi. Fight alongside actual Nazis in World War II, get a standing ovation in Parliament. I mean, our leaders are complete clowns by this point. You're telling me that no one in the entire parliament had the thought that, hey, wait a second, he was in the Ukraine fighting against Russia in World War II. Hmm, I wonder which side he was on. Maybe we should take a look at his background before we all honor him with a standing ovation in our government. <laughs> what a bunch of clowns. You know, Russia's been putting forth something in the UN for five or more consecutive years, uh, and the text reads, combating glorification of Nazism, neo-Nazism, and other practices that contribute to fueling contemporary forms of racism, racial discrimination, xenophobia, and related intolerance. And they make the UN vote on this. Only two countries consistently vote against this proposition every year. Any guesses as to who those two countries are? I'll give you a, a hundred guesses, and your first 98 guesses don't count. The USA and the Ukraine. Canada was one of the 49 countries that abstained from voting on it, by the way, because we're cowards. So you heard a track, the Chad Mitchell trio, I Was Not a Nazi Polka, an unbelievable song, especially when you take into account the fact that it was written in 1965, only 20 years after World War II ended. Um, from a sociological perspective, it tells us that this was a phenomenon back then already. People desperately trying to cover up their Nazi past. And of course, why wouldn't they, right? Um, so it's obviously going to continue to this day. Whether you're talking about this guy they all cheered for there in Parliament, or Stefan Bandera, a figure idolized by many in the Ukraine and often brought up in celebrations and marches. Uh, there was one really odd case where there was a, a Pride Month event, I believe, in the Ukraine, where they were cheering Slava Ukraine and then Slava Bandera. And it's like, he would have had you murdered for being gay and you're cheering him. Like, it's topsy-turvy, folks, topsy-turvy. I cannot get my head around what has happened uh, to the world. It's, it's nuts. And, and, I've, and I came of age politically right at 2001, the September 11th attacks, and have been following really closely media and politics and 21st century history since then. And, and this is nuts. This is nothing like I, I ever could have thought would happen. <laughs> Cheering. <laughs> Cheering a Nazi in our public, in our, in our parliament. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, uh, just to be clear, okay, uh, because there's a lot of debate around this Nazi issue, I, I, anybody reasonable will say that it's not that, that, that it's a solely Nazi army, okay? But there is and there has been for a long time an anti-Semitic aspect to the Ukraine, and there is a history going back to the time of World War II to having this, this kind of attitude. And it's not like these things just disappear. And of course people are trying to cover it up now because why wouldn't you try to cover it up? You're trying to get billions of dollars of aid from other countries around the world. You've got to cover this stuff up. So to think that it just disappeared, just what, they took some training courses 
they read uh, that book White Fragility, and then suddenly they all just went, "Yep, no, we're not white. We're not Nazis anymore. We're not white supremacists anymore. We gave that up." Like, come on. Of course they still are. So, you know, it's just one of like a hundred things that are completely wrong with this war. And so it looks like I've completely run out of time. I, th I thought I was going to have time to uh, put in one more song at the end here, but it looks like I'm out of time. So uh, take care of yourselves, folks, and I will try to maintain my sanity. And I'll try to do my best to come back with another show next week. Take care.